PyTest 5.2 was just released recently, and with it, a cool, fun feature called Dynamic Scope Fixtures. Anthony Sotilli is one of the PyTest core developers, so I thought it'd be fun to have Anthony describe this new feature for us. We also talked about parameterized testing and really what is fixture scope, and then what is Dynamic Scope. Thank you to Raygun for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. Today on Testing Code, I'm having Anthony on, and it's Sotilli. Yes, I got it right. I actually went back. Yes. I went back to episode 82 and listened again to what you said. Nice, uh, perfect. <laughs> so, Anthony was on uh, episode 82. We talked about. Uh, a whole bunch of the cool features that have come out since uh, Python, uh, Python, since PyTest 3.0. Um, and now we're at PyTest 5.2 and uh, there's a, there's some new stuff, but um, there's an oops also. So what's with the oops? Uh, yeah. So we didn't mean to release PyTest 5.2 as soon as we did. Uh we kind of messed up our git merge workflow because it's it's a little bit complicated. We tend to merge branches back and forth. We keep features and bug fixes separately. Um, and Bruno accidentally merged uh, the branch in the opposite direction. So usually we merge features into master only when we do a feature release. But, uh, but we merge master into features all the time. But <laughs> we, we did it backwards and figured eh, it's easier to just cut a release than it is to try and undo the the get oopsies okay and so we made a release but it's it's solid though right i mean it passes tests and all that oh yeah of course yeah we we always test all of our uh, all of our code like all the time so it's it's a solid release it's not like a a beta release or anything it's it's uh it's just as good as any other okay so one of the things that as i was reading through the change list um that popped out at me is the dynamic scope fixtures. Um, yeah. So I'd and, like, to, uh, I'd like to talk about that, but we may have to like back up a little bit just to make sure everybody understands what scope is. Sure. Yeah. And actually I think in order to explain scope, I actually need to explain parameterization as well. So we're going to, we're just going to have the whole gamut today. Okay. Okay. So where do we start? Yeah, let's, uh, ooh, I guess we can uh, start by just jumping into uh, parameterization. That, that sounds fine. We'll eventually get back to scope and talk about that there. Okay. Uh, yeah, so parameterization in PyTest is basically PyTest's name for table tests, which I guess if you don't know what table tests is, that's <laughs> we're just, we're just going to define things indefinitely. Uh, but the, the idea behind table tests, it allows you to write a skeleton of a test and then swap out the expected input and expected output. Uh, so basically, it allows you to write one test and then test uh, a bunch of different scenarios all at once. Yeah. Um, so you might imagine like a, a squaring function where you don't want to write one test for, oh, I want to square a negative number and a positive number and a number that's greater than six. You would just write one test and like specify your expected input and expected output. Okay, but also, it doesn't have to be the expected output. Whatever, I mean, it's just a, a list of things that go into, each row goes into the test, 
and it sure, yeah, creates yeah. a new test case. Yeah, it could be a set of parameters. It could be like a scenario. It could be basically whatever you want it to be. Okay. Uh, I just find that the most common use is like inputs and outputs. Okay, right. This episode of Test and Code is sponsored by Raygun. Save time with Raygun crash reporting. Detect, diagnose, and destroy Python errors that are affecting your customers. With smart Python error monitoring software from Raygun, you can be alerted to issues affecting your users the second they happen. Raygun takes you to the exact line of code where the error has occurred and tells you how many times it has happened and exactly who has been affected. Have complete visibility of your app or website so you discover and fix errors and performance issues before your customers experience them. Raygun supports all major programming languages and platforms and can monitor both back-end and front-end code. Raygun provides full-stack traces and all the details you need to fix the issues quickly. Raygun also has fine-tuned the filtering and notification control, so you can focus on fixing important issues and problems affecting the most users and not be bombarded with redundant notifications. It takes minutes to set up. Try it yourself by going to raygun.com. That's R-A-Y-G-U-N.com. And it turns out in PyTest, there's kind of a bunch of ways to parameterize tests. There's at least two built-in ways that I remember. I mean, there's a bunch of others through plugins as well. Uh, the most common built-in way is using the pytest.mark.parameterize decorator. Uh, it has a little bit of a creative spelling. Um, I, I remember the first time I worked with PyTest, I was like kind of frustrated with the spelling because like the, the actual word is parameterize, but... PyTest is parameterize without an extra E at the end. It's kind of hard over audio, but you'll have to take my word for it. Um, yeah. yeah you, you apply this. Oh, sorry. Well, just I, I remember having to look that up and go, is this misspelled? And and then a quick lesson that there is two valid spellings. The with You can put an E between the T and the R, or you don't have to. And one is more common in the U.S. with the E, and one is more common in, like, the U.K., which is without the E, I think. Ah, I see. So it's my uh, United States bias there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. there's, a, there's a proposal, or there was a proposal a while ago to uh, just, like, do away with the wacky spelling and just change it to pytest.mark.params. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it's received any traction yet, and I don't... I haven't checked in on that uh, proposal in a while, but right. I, I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> Explaining this spelling to people just is like one of my least favorite things to do. Right. Okay. But anyway, so you use this decorator on your test and you specify basically the parameters that your test takes that you're going to substitute <clears throat> as well as a sequence of tuples or pytest.param instances that are going to be the, the, the rows in your table test, basically the parameters that you'll substitute there. And PyTest's machinery will make sure to call your test for each row in that sequence and uh, basically get a bunch of tests for just one sequence. Um, and it, it works pretty well. I use, it, I use this feature a lot. Uh, it helps me simplify tests quite a bit. Um, but not only can you parameterize tests, but you can also parameterize fixtures, which is kind of where we'll tie into the fixture scoping later. Okay. Uh, with fixture scoping, it's a little bit different. Uh, you basically specify a params keyword argument on the pytest.fixture decorator, 
Uh, PyTest just loves its decorators. <laughs> um, and in this case, it's just a simple sequence. And you can put whatever you want in that sequence. You could have like a list of tuples or a list of strings. I think the, the most common is usually just like a list of, of objects. And when PyTest constructs that fixture, which it'll do a bunch of times because it has that, that sequence there, it'll make the parameter in that params list uh, available as request.param. And request itself is another kind of magical built-in PyTest fixture. Uh, it provides like PyTest metadata. So things about the test itself, what's been configured, uh, the params in this case, uh, a bunch of other stuff. And yeah, again, like the PyTest machinery knows how to set this up and configure it properly and do all that stuff. Yeah. And it's one of those things that like, once you get used to it, it's not terrible, but you do kind of wish when you switch, when you're switching from function parameterization to fixture parameterization that you didn't have to go through the request.param. It'd be great if it was just variables there, just like functions, but it isn't. So yeah, maybe maybe one day. I hear, man, I forget which plugin it is, but I think there's a plugin that makes fixture parameterization, the parameterization. Yeah, see that word's hard to say too. Yeah. I think there's a plugin that, that makes it more like function parameterization, but I haven't played with it and I don't remember the name of it either. Yeah, it just, it sounds weird when we talk about it, but if you do it a couple of times, it's not too bad. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used the fixture parameterization myself, so like oh, really? I usually stick to function parameterization. Oh. Okay, we use it. I use it both of them extensively. So nice, nice. Yeah, um, and then there's a, a third type of parameterization that's built in. Well, it's kind of a combination of the first two, um, and it's called indirect parameterization. And yeah, it kind of combines the two approaches above. So you still use the parameterized decorator and you still use it on individual tests. Uh, but instead, you're not substituting the parameters of your test function, you're substituting the parameters of the fixture. Uh, you also have to pass this indirect keyword argument to the parameterized decorator. Um, and PyTest kind of hooks this up and it, it kind of works. Um, but it, it kind of allows you to take a skeleton fixture and inject parameters on a per test basis. Uh, kind of is sort of a backwards data flow from the, the usual way that PyTest works from like a fixture downwards. Yeah. Approach. Okay. It's you pretty weird. Uh, I've, I've literally never used this feature, but um it was it was added for a particular use case that i think makes a lot of sense like it was uh it was some like quasi global fixture that needed uh per test data passed to it and so like this was kind of the only way to do that um i think it's 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 fine it works i there is like one quirk. The one quirk that i found with it um is if you use indirect parameterization it kind of breaks the scoping feature of PyTest, uh, which we'll, we'll get more to scopes later. Uh, but indirect parameterization basically cancels out whatever scope you've set on your fixture and always sets up and tears down those fixtures for every function, which kind of makes sense because uh, you, you have those parameterized inputs per test invocation. And so like 
each time you run that test, you're going to need to send those parameters along, and so you're going to need to reconstruct the the fixture. Uh, but it's I don't know. It's it's one of those like gotchas that is is pretty surprising working with indirect. Yeah, I'll have to play with it because I'm curious about the ramifications of of the um, dependent fixtures. Oh right, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because because fixtures can depend on other fixtures, just like tests can depend on fixtures. And so you might have you might like have a cascading effect where it rebuilds all the fixtures. I haven't looked into that. I don't remember what it does there. Okay. Um, one would hope it does the right thing, but. And the uh, um, the third way that, or the other third way uh, that I think about is the PyTest generate tests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can use hooks and stuff to build tests. That's the way I use if I have a sparse matrix uh, to generate mm-hmm. a sparse matrix of parameterization. Ah, uh, yeah. The other way you can do it is with like this the skip decorator, but yeah. right, yeah. If you <laughs> if you want to if you want a sparse matrix and not have a bunch of skips, yeah, generate tests is the way to go. Yeah, and then there's actually one other way that I just thought of. Um, now there's the new subtest uh, functionality, which I think is only available in a plugin for now until it's kind of finalized and the interface and API is figured out. But uh, presumably you can use subtests as well as a parameterization. Yeah, I hate telling people about that because it's so weird and has so quirky. So, uh, uh, Oops, sorry. <laughs> Well, it's just the whole, okay, we're getting off on a tangent, but that a subtest, if everything passes, you have one test. If if you have five subtests and they all fail, suddenly you have one test and five failures. Yeah, you end up with these, like, mystery, where are these mystery tests coming from? Yeah. So It but, makes sense if you're coming from, like, a, a unit test background, or, like, standard lib unit test background, where subtests are pretty common, but... In PyTest, it's kind of anti-paradigm. The quirkiness and brokenness that I think of uh, with the number of tests not adding up to the total, or it's more than the total, or something like that, um, mm-hmm. unit test has that broken also. So it's, uh, not, it's not like it's, it's fixed somewhere else. Um, so. <laughs> we're, just, uh, we're just matching functionality there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what does all this have to do with... Okay, so it's sort of we're, we're trying to lead into scope a little bit. Yes. So, um, actually, <laughs> hindsight, I don't remember how they were. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> That's all but, right. Oh, well, we talked this is about a nice it anyway. discussion of parameterization. The, the relation is kind of where indirect, uh, indirect scoping or indirect parameterization affects how the scoping of, of fixtures work, as well as uh, the scope of fixtures also affects how the fixture-based params parameterization works. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into scoping now. So, Scoping is a way for you to uh, decide the lifetime of a fixture. So by default, when you make a fixture for a test or for another fixture, uh, PyTest will set up and tear down that fixture every time a test runs. So if you have like, I don't know, a, a, a database that you need to spin up or like a Docker container or like whatever else you're you're spinning up in a, in a fixture, uh, by default, it's going to do that for every single test, and so that potentially adds a lot of runtime overhead to your tests. Uh, I know, like we had, we had this YAML fixture uh, at my previous company, which would load this YAML file and then delete it at the end of the test. And uh, I don't know if you know, but YAML is kind of slow, and 
we found that when we switched the scope of this particular fixture, it caused our test run time to go from like six minutes to like three seconds. Uh, oh, wow. We were basically spending all of our time serializing YAML. <laughs> yeah, but and, it, and if it doesn't, if the stuff doesn't change, you don't you don't have to do it for every test. So yeah, that's that's where you can kind of like save a bunch of time. So if you divert from the default scoping, which is function scoping, you can uh, control which level that the fixture will be run at. Uh, there's a bunch of different scopes, and I feel like every time that I talk about this, there's a new scope that we add. Uh, but I think the current list is function, which is the default, so it'll uh, set it up and tear it down for every test run. This also means it sets it up and tears it down for every parameterization as well. So like each parameter set, it'll create and, and destroy that fixture. Uh, and then there's class scoping, which if you use class-based tests in in uh, in your test suite, which I don't tend to use very often, but sometimes they're useful. Uh, it'll make the fixture live for the entire lifetime of that test class. <clears throat> I think the next bigger one after that, it's kind of a Matryoshka doll. <laughs> the next bigger one after that is module scoping, where the fixture will live for the entire lifetime of a file. Uh, then there's package scoping, which is newish. I think. I think that was in PyTest 5. Maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty new feature, uh, which allows the fixture to live for the entire directory of tests. Okay. Uh, and then you kind of have your, your biggest scope, which is session scoping, which lives for the entire PyTest run. Yeah. I don't think I've used package scope much. And that was I don't think I have either. And that was something yeah. uh, uh, before PyTest added it. The only other tool that I know had package scoping was Nose had a package scope idea. But mm. interesting. Yeah, I think I've used it in Nose before, back when I used to use Nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. So the lifetime, it also means how many tests run in it. Like a module scope fixture, the setup will happen then all the tests within that module will run, and then the teardown happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sort of. It's not guaranteed to be that way. If if some of the tests don't use a particular fixture, my test is allowed to tear it down before the rest of the tests if they're not using it, right? Right, yeah. I think the current behavior is PyTest is, is lazy and will tear it down at the very end, but there's there, I don't think there's any guarantees about when it gets set up or torn down. Um, and in fact, this actually produces kind of a difficult problem because if you imagine, if you imagine tests and fixtures and dependent fixtures as kind of a, a graph, um, in order to create an optimal ordering of running tests and minimizing the number of times fixtures get set up and torn down, it's actually like a, a very hard constraint-solving problem. And PyTest like takes a greedy approach now and it's it's pretty good it mostly satisfies like the the minimal number of setups and teardowns um but you could imagine a, a world where we add a constraint solver to pytest and it improves run times of some test suites by a lot yeah but yeah. I, don't, I don't know that anyone's working on that yet there is an open issue and like some people have started poking at it but it I imagine at some point PyTest will get much better about properly ordering tests and uh, making making fixtures set up and tear down a little bit more deterministic. <clears throat> okay, well, it's already like better than the the brute force 
way to do it. I oh, mean, sure. Yeah, it's it's way it's way better than just like always doing everything all the time. Yeah, or even just always like when how as we describe it as session scopes fixtures start at the beginning of the session and end at the end of the session. It's already better than and and modules around all the modules. That's how we think about it. That's not really how it happens. Um, right. Yeah. Like PyTest will wait for the first test that needs it or something. Yeah. So that if if somebody if nobody's using it or if a test if your test session fails and bails before the test that needs a fixture happens, that won't ever happen. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of where you and I know some of the the inside um, uh, things that could be better, but I don't want to try to. That's because we know some of the nitty gritty. Um, to, the, <laughs> yeah. to the outside world, it's already way better than anything else. So, yep, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty darn good, despite <laughs> despite yeah. the quirks that we know about. <laughs> yeah, and then there's auto use as well, which will also kind of change when those get set up and torn down. Auto use, I think, is the the easiest way to think about scopes because it'll always be available for the entire scope. Yeah, and I'm um I I use. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I learned about auto use, I overused it and then found all the problems with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I use it occasionally. Like I think, I think sometimes it's good. Uh, I think like one particular use case that I have is I'll globally mock some environment variables or uh, or set up some like thing that prevents me from talking to the public internet during my test suite or uh, other things like that. Where I think auto use is a, a good fit. Where kind yeah. of sets up a consistent environment for the test suite. Okay. So now can we get to dynamic scope? Are we ready yet? Oh yeah. Well, actually I want to talk about one thing before we move on from there. Uh, in, in that like expanding scope is not always a, a safe operation. Uh, it's like as you, as you switch from like function scope to like module or session or, or larger scope, you have to start worrying about test pollution a lot more. Uh, because PyTest will reuse the same instance of that fixture over and over. And so if, if that instance is mutable, you'll, you'll potentially end up in a case where a test changes some global state and that causes some other tests to have different behavior. Uh, like one, one's, one example that we saw taking that, uh, that YAML example from before, uh, someone was reading that YAML file and then modifying a dictionary, which they thought like, oh, well, this, this will never actually matter, but, I want to test a specific scenario where this config has a different value. Uh, but since that, that dictionary was pseudo global, it affected the runtime of all the other tests. And so we had to do some tricky stuff with like uh, faking immutable dictionaries and pre- pretending that it's uh, not exactly, <laughs> not exactly global mutable. And you can get around this with like copying stuff, or if it's like a database, you can use like, uh, snapshots or transactions or other stuff like that. Um, so it's it's something to look out for when you expand the scope. Uh, it's kind of a trade-off between like complexity and, and speed there. Yeah, and a lot of and if anybody's listening to this and thinking, well just always use function scope. Well that's wonderful for things that are super fast. Um, but things that are slow are annoying to have run all the time. So uh, mm-hmm. like totally. a common thing I do is to do two layers of uh, fixtures have a like a like for instance a database uh, something that sets up a, de- a temporary database for the, the session and then mm-hmm. initializes it and gets the connection already 
and then a and that's set, that can be session scope and then a function scope fixture called empty database or something that it just mm-hmm. it just deletes everything out of the database um so that the any test that needs an empty one it's already connected it just cleans it out so yep and that way you can keep it both fast and and correct yeah uh, cool. Yeah, so we can finally get to dynamic scoping, which is the uh, the new feature in PyTest 5.2. Um, we didn't actually release that many features in this in this release, but this was one of them. Uh, and the new dynamic scoping allows for fixtures to be control or to have their scope controlled by a scope callback. Uh, so before you could only control the scope of a fixture based on a static string, essentially. So you could you could say, like, okay, well, this is session scoped, and it would always be session scoped. Uh, but now you can specify the scope as a callback, so a, a function that takes in, I think it's the PyTest configuration, um, and the return value of that will allow you to change the scope of your function dynamically. Um, I thought about a, a kind of cool use case for this that I want to try out at work, uh, where right now we spin up kind of a, a data set and then um, reuse that inside the test. Uh, but if you're working on tests repeatedly, you don't want to share that data set, or you don't want to run that data set every time you run your test suite. It would kind of be nice if you could like set it up once and then just say, hey, PyTest, please reuse this. Uh, I already set it up for you. Please don't set it up again. Um, and so you could set the scope callback to something which checks for that global state already being set up and kind of avoids that that fixture setup. Um, an- another example that's given in the documentation is uh, you can set up whether you're reusing some data in a CI environment uh, instead of like setting up data re- and tearing it down repeatedly. Um, I can think of another like bunch of really cool uses for this, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Oh, I think it's really cool. I think I read some example where it said for development, you it, it takes less time because you're going to have a broader scope, like a session scope or something. Mm-hmm. But it, continuous integration, it's okay if it runs a little slower, So you do, but you want more test isolation so you can do function scope. That's a cool idea. I was actually thinking the reverse of if you've got long-running tests to take advantage of the larger scope during continuous integration during a huge test run. Mm. And when you're trying to debug it, you can isolate things more. If there's a test failure, you can rerun it with a tighter scope. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so you could like you could basically get uh, all the benefits of, of performance from session scoping unless you want to narrow down and, and see if there's pollution going on. Yeah. That'd be kind of a cool idea to have a uh, as part of a test phase in a test pipeline to run it as wide as possible. And if everything's great, you're you're golden. Mm-hmm. But if there's any failures at all, you can dial some of the scopes down. The cool thing about the signature normally you say pytest.fixture and then you say scope equals session or scope equals function. Mm-hmm. Instead, you give it the name of a function like determine scope or something. Oh, okay. That function can be used in other fixtures also because it gets passed in not only the config object, but the fixture name. Oh. So you can have some logic in there that says if the name is in this list of fixtures and there's a flag passed in called uh, like debug or something, then I can Mm -hmm. switch it to function scope. You've got some control there, which is pretty cool. 
I'm totally going to play with this all over the place. It'll be just like auto use, though. I'll use it too much, and then I'll have to dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the new shiny toy gets used too often. I like the idea. It's kind of fun. One of the things I wanted to share with people is this is it takes a while to get your head around fixtures and parameterization and scope and all that stuff. So yeah, the docs are actually really good about uh, about fixtures and parameterization. So definitely recommend reading those as well as the uh, <laughs> the babble that we had today. Um, and you're doing a whole bunch. I'm going to go off on a tangent and you you're not just working on PyTest. Didn't you release like the like the uh, Python 3.8 beta just the other day? Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm I uh, do some Python pack. Well, <laughs> among all the other Python packages that I maintain, I also do some packaging for Ubuntu. Uh, I basically provide forward ports and back ports of Python versions. Uh, the the PPA is called Dead Snakes, if you've heard of it before. Um, but basically, I repackage Python for the currently released uh, releases of Ubuntu. So right now it's Xenial and Bionic um, and provide packaging scripts so that anyone could take those builds and rebuild them on basically any flavor of Debian or Ubuntu if they wanted to. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, just recently the 3.8 uh, release candidate dropped and... Um, I, I quickly turned around and, and got the packages done for that. So if you if you want to try out the release candidate of Python 3.8 before it drops for real, uh, you can add the Dead Snakes PPA in Ubuntu and, and try it out there. Is this all automated, or did you have to notice that there's a new release and then go and do it? <laughs> so I probably should automate this a little bit better. Uh, but right now it's still like, there's still some human in this process. So my, my kind of my process right now is, uh, I manually notice that a tag gets released either through like, uh, python.org or through <laughs> Twitter. Um, but once I notice that a release is there, I have some, I have a script that mostly automates the version bumping. Uh, so essentially what I have to do is pull in the new, uh, release tarball refresh all of the patches that, that uh, Debian applies upstream. Uh, these are things like making sure that Ubuntu is detected properly and like changing how some of the modules are included or not included in various packages and, and that sort of thing. So you need to refresh those patches. Uh, then I run some, some tests on it to make sure that the build is still well done. Uh, I often have to refresh symbols because uh, Debian packages advertise what symbols you can link against in their packages, and those change with almost every release. Uh, and then I basically packages up, package it up, sign the binaries, and upload them to Launchpad. And that's kind of my process there. Uh, okay. It used to be entirely manual <laughs> uh, when I first started working on Dead Snakes. It was kind of a, it was one of those things where I used the thing a lot, uh, and then the upstream maintainer didn't really have time to maintain the package and like wasn't or the packages and wasn't really working on Python as much anymore. Uh, it was one of those things where it was like, I kind of know how to do this. Uh, I, I volunteer as tribute and, and took over the, the packaging there. That's very um, cool. I mean, I know a lot of yeah. people do depend on it. So that's yeah, yeah, we use it at work as well. So it's, it's, uh, it, it pays off. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, when I first did it, it was entirely manual. Like I, 
I basically did all of the steps in my, my scripts repo. I have a like run books repo where I basically follow a step-by-step instruction. So like anyone could do this if they wanted to. Uh, but I used to do all that by hand and make a lot of mistakes. And uh, I slowly automated each portion of, of the, uh, of the packaging over time. Um, there's still some manual bits, like sometimes patches won't apply cleanly or like, the documentation build breaks all the time, or uh, what's the other one? I don't know. There's a, there's a couple things that break pretty often that I still have to manually intervene, but it's it's mostly under control. Well, that's very cool. So good job. Thanks. Um, and uh, I'm gonna actually. I think this is good. Um, I think it was a good discussion. I will drop a couple links to to into the show notes for people to be able to look up things. And if you really want to get your head around fixtures and scoping and everything, I really recommend reading the uh, Rocket book on PyTest. So mm-hmm. I actually bought a copy of that myself recently. Uh, we wanted to we wanted to start kind of a library at work, and people were like, "Well, PyTest is a thing that we use a lot, so it'd be nice if we had the PyTest book." And I was like, "Oh, I'll hook you up. I got this." Cool. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on the show. And this has been fun. Um, I love having a, a good, another a PyTest core resource that I can call up when I need to. Mm-hmm. Happy to be on the show. Thank you to Anthony for that great discussion and for all you do for PyTest and for Python. Thank you to Patreon supporters for continuing to support the show. Special thank you to Susan Wright, Daniel Zimmerman, and David Burns. Join them by going to testingcode.com slash support. Thank you to Raygun for sponsoring this episode. Take charge of your app and web monitoring with Raygun. Find out more at raygun.com. Show notes are at testingcode.com slash 90, along with lots of useful links, including the link to Raygun. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. <laughs>